1: You know, there's a little bit of Mary in every mother who loves Jesus. And as a Christian son or daughter, you should never forget that your mother is special too. She's special to you. And let's take a little further. Very special to Jesus. That's
2: Pastor Michael Tanko, And this is Reaching Your Heart. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, you can call at any time, 24 7 888 244 HOPE. That's 888 244 4673. Someone is standing by right now to take your phone call. Here now is Pastor Michael Oxenchenko with the conclusion of a message we started on Friday entitled Another Son for Mother. That's another son for mother. And don't forget, you can find any of these messages online at reachingyourheart.com. Here now is our pastor teacher, Michael Tenko, with today's Reaching Your Heart.
1: You cannot read the Old Testament prophets without meeting the profound prophetic truth that the Messiah would be wounded for us, before us, and because of us. He died for our sins. He died from friendly fire in the house of his friends. His hands tell the story of a wounded kind of love that died for the people of God. And, you know, in fact, the prophecy of Daniel 9.24 seemed to indicate that that's all he would do. He would come as the great messenger of the covenant and die for the sins of Israel. But as he was dying for the sins of his people, he reached out and embraced the entire world and died for every child of Adam too. But Jesus was not the only one that was wounded at the cross that day. Two lives were entangled as one. Two lives were pierced that same day in a different kind of way. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem, Mary was there more than most will ever know. His mother was there. She is the only human being in history to feel God biologically close within her. And then to give us God in the pain of childbirth. Mary is a special person, the plan of God. That very night the shepherds came because the angels sent them to the manger in Bethlehem. She could remember it at the cross. And they came looking for a sign. The angels told them of it. They said, you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. That is the sign. And every good shepherd seeks Jesus so we can share who Jesus is. The mangers in Bethlehem were stone slabs. And this one manger we know from early church records was in a cave. A cave stall in Bethlehem. That's where Jesus was born. And swaddling clothes in the Greek language are indistinguishable from grave clothes in the Greek language. And so she wrapped her newborn baby in a manger that was like a stone slab in a cave that held cattle... And it was prophetic, it was a sign that the way he entered the world is the way he would leave the world. The angel said, this will be the sign. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes that look like grave clothes lying in a manger. You see, the bookends of Jesus' life are a cave. The bookends of Jesus' life are that which points to his death, the sacrifice. And so the little Lord Jesus was born. Mary knew this. Mary was in that cave in Bethlehem when Jesus was laid in swaddling clothes on the stone slab manger. The stranger that is totally alien to us, the God of the unknown, was in that manger on that slab. And he became her son and her savior. Mary was at the tomb when Jesus was laid in the final cave near the top of the Mount of Olives according to early church records. For 300 years they had a cave that had been preserved. It was the church of the cave at the summit of the Mount of Olives. That is the place of the resurrection. And that's why those early Christians called it the place of the cave because they knew the connection that we're talking about. And they built a church there because it was the place of Jesus' tomb and Joseph's tomb. And so Mary felt the first pain when Jesus came to the world. But you know what? She felt the last pain when he left the world too. And this will be the sign. You will find the baby wrapped in grave clothes, swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Luke 2, 18 and 19 is careful to record. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Verse 19. But Mary, what does the text say? Kept all these things... Pondering them where? In her heart. She kept them reflecting on them. She kept them until the day it would all come together. Eight days later, Joseph and Mary went to Jerusalem according to the law of Moses... Paul says that Christ was born under the law to redeem those who were under the law. I mean, God didn't do away with the law to save us. That law was operative. It was a heavy weight on humanity. And without someone to atone for the broken law, there would be no salvation. Christ was born under the law, and he was sinless. He was never a lawless man. And according to the law of Moses, every Jewish male child must be circumcised on the eighth day. And so his parents kept the law. In the temple that day, an old prophet named Simeon was there waiting for the Messiah to show up. In fact, God had revealed it to him through the Holy Spirit that he would not die until he saw the Messiah come into that temple. How would he come? Would he come as a mighty warrior? Would he come as a child? How would he come? We don't know if that was revealed to him. But it was revealed to him that he would not die until he came. So after the priest muttered his words on the eighth day, A real man of God blessed the child and was given the spirit of prophecy to point the way. Luke 2, verse 28. He took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation which thou hast prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to thy people Israel. Verse 33, And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising of many in Israel. And for what? What does it say? A sign that is spoken against. And a sword will pierce through your own soul that thoughts out of many hearts may be revealed. So prophecy is clear. Two souls were pierced that day at the cross, both Jesus and His mother Mary. You know, Christ will for all eternity bear the wounds in His hands, the scars of what He went through. And Mary will for all eternity remember the sword that pierced her soul on that same day when Jesus died. So when you come to the cross, you must never forget that two lives were pierced that day. Christ was pierced to save us from our sins. And Mary was pierced with a sword of sorrow so that many hearts should be revealed. So when Jesus hung on the cross, it was Mother's Day too. He knew that as hard as his suffering was, his mother was suffering there too. Mother's Day, what would happen to mom? He knew that as awful as his wounds were, her wounds were hurting too. He was suffering at the human level. And then if you take it higher up, he was suffering at the divine level. But he was not indifferent to her wound as a mother down here on our horizontal plane of humanity. He cared about that. He sympathized with his mother. You know, people who can't sympathize with their mothers lose a lot in life. You know, if your mom is hurting and you don't give a lick, there's something wrong with you. Am I right? There's something wrong with you. You must care for your mother For God's love to be manifest in your life. In my life, I had a very challenging situation. I had a mother, so many of you know, who had schizophrenia for a good hunk of her life. I was deeply challenged by the feeling of shame and frustration because my mama could not relate to me correctly. With the challenge to respect and love her, and I had to grow and learn to love my mom correctly. You know, loving mothers isn't always natural. It's something that should be deliberate in our heart and mind. In a sense, Mary is a prophetic picture. You see, mothers can suffer at levels that people have no clue about. So in a sense, Mary is a prophetic picture of everyone who comes to the cross. Because you cannot come to the cross without the pain of having a sword piercing your soul. That's how we come to God. That's how our hearts are revealed. Every mother carries special sorrows and joys that are unique to only a mother. Now, we fathers have our role to play, but a mother knows the pain of losing a child a little deeper than any father can. A mother's instinct is stronger for her child than that of a father. A mother's joy is more intense than his. Now, I know this from experience. I'd see my wife when something would happen with the kids and they were happy. She'd just start, yes, I'm so happy. She'd say, why aren't you happy? Because I just can't get there like you do. But she can. You see, a mother somehow connects with her children in ways that fathers can't. But if a mother loses a child, the sorrow is deeper for her than him. Right? It is. This we fathers must accept even though we cannot understand it. And so it was with Mary at the cross. She felt it like no one else on earth felt the loss of Christ. You know, there were times when Mary wanted Jesus to prove himself a little early. She really didn't know how he would do it. At the marriage feast of Cana, Jesus had to correct his mother in love. She wanted him to manifest his power and his glory right then and there, and he wouldn't do it. And so he said, woman, you know, it's not my time. That was hard for Mary to hear, but it was the right thing. You see, every boy grows up to be a man where they make a decision for themselves. And a good mother knows how to still be a mom, but struggle with the fact that the boy is making the decisions of a life. They have become a man. Mary's name in Hebrew means bitterness or even sorrow. There was a special miracle in the life of Jesus recorded in the Gospel of Luke that is a foreshadowing of his own death and sorrow of his mother. And we should pay close attention to it as we approach the cross because in some sense it's intertwined. Christ was traveling to a city called Nain. And I looked up the meaning of Nain. It means beautiful or pleasant. And what he saw in that journey was not beautiful or pleasant at all. Christ was with a great crowd, Luke records, and the whole group stopped for the funeral procession. You see, that's why they halted. They saw this mournful procession moving to the place of burial. A young man had died. He was being carried out to be buried in his kittle. You know, when they would bury someone, they buried them in the white garment that they went to the Jewish festivals in. These pure white kittles. So he was dressed in white, lying down, being taken to be buried. His mother was following with him that day just tears coming out now in ancient times a widow without a son or a supporting family did not have long to live they died because of sorrow because they fell into poverty it was not a good looking picture here and Luke said in Luke seven thirteen that Jesus had compassion on her and he said to her do not weep when he walked up to that casket or whatever it was called That young boy in it or on it. Jesus touched the body of the boy. And then something happened that was miraculous. The dead boy got up out of the casket. He got a smile on his face. He began to speak and chitter-chatter like boys do. Now, you know, there are all kinds of things going on in the great world religions. But I'll be very frank with you. You know why those apostles lived and died horrible deaths for Christ? Because they saw the resurrection of this boy. They saw the resurrection of Jairus' daughter. They saw Lazarus come out of a tomb four days after he'd been in it. And they saw the living Christ after his resurrection. And there's nothing that anyone could have done to them that would have stripped them of the confidence that Jesus is the right way to God and everything else doesn't matter. The people rejoiced and declared that a great prophet had risen among us and that God has visited his people. Now Mary no doubt heard this story, and at the cross she must have faced it down with fear and a little hope maybe.
2: Today's Reaching Your Heart with Pastor Michael Oxentenka will continue in just a moment. Please stay tuned. Don't forget you can find this message and many other messages online at reachingyourheart.com. That's reachingyourheart.com. Please also keep in mind that we are a listener-funded ministry. We so appreciate your help in keeping this broadcast on the air. 888-244-HOPE. 888-244-4673 is a telephone number to call. If you'd like to help us out with a contribution of any amount, or you can go online to reachingyourheart.com. At the close of today's message, please stay tuned. I have a special offer for you that you will want to take advantage of. Let's continue on now with Pastor Michael Ox and Tanko.
1: She is the widow in this new procession. And what will happen to her boy? And when they put Jesus on that cross, she was thinking, I'm a widow. She felt like the widow of name, but not happy that day. Her name is Mary. It means bitterness. She would not live long without her precious son, her chosen son. She had other children, yes, but somehow this sorrow was too great for her and her need unique in the will of God. She would not live long unless something happened to her on Mother's Day. And so we come to the cross, and it's Mother's Day in a way, because two hearts were pierced that day, not one, and mother was not left out. The Gospel of John records the tearful scene. They crucified Jesus, he says. You know, kind of matter of fact, like they just crucified him. And then they stripped him naked and they divided his garments for gain and they cast lots for his white robe, that Jewish kittle with a Roman dice. There's a 12-sided piece that is a rough spherical piece of lead in which each side is shaped like a pentagon. On each side are the 12 names of the zodiac and that's why they used it for a dice. Astrology was an awful thing and so they were looking to the gods to direct their fate as they cast the dice to get Jesus' garment. And they did not realize that the bright and morning star was hanging on that cross. John 19.25, so the soldiers did this. But standing by the cross of Jesus were His mother, His mother's sister Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. Now this verse is full of meaning. Mary comes from the Hebrew word marah, means bitterness. And three Marys stood at the cross, but one was more bitter than them all. Jesus' mother was Mary, the widow of Joseph, soon to lose her special son, watching him be lost. Not just lost in the sense that you can lose a boy, but lost to God. Because she heard her righteous son, a prophet in Israel, cry out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And she must have clung to the cross. God may forsake you, but I will not. And so a sword pierced her soul that day that went all the way up to God. God. When Jesus was dying on that cross, it was hard to see through the tears and the blood and the suffering for the sins of the world that dripped into her eyes and face. But when he died for us all, he did not forget his mother, who was pierced in a lesser kind of way on that day. So somehow Jesus looked down from the cross with a deliberate look in his eyes. How did he do it? I do not know, because what he was going through was unbelievable, I mean, we cannot quantify it with psychological testing. We cannot understand it with our deepest introspection. He was dying a horrific death that is supernatural. Hanging on the cross at the summit of the Mount of Olives on the ridgeline near the altar of the Red Heifer, Jesus looked down and He saw His mother with John right there at the cross. Mary in Hebrew, as I said, means bitterness. And in His suffering, He wanted to do something about it. He had energy a little left before He would die, before all that He is would be spent for us in saving the world. And we are told He couldn't see beyond the portals of the tomb. The Greek words for darkness mean psychological darkness. He couldn't see beyond the awful darkness of sin. But He had a few breaths left in Him. In His last air, that He would breathe out. In all the Gospels, His words are few at the cross because there is not much to say and He has little strength to say it, but there is much to do Before Jesus died, he did not want his mother to see it at all. She had been with him as a source of strength. He had served her 30 years before he started his ministry. But she need not bear that final pain and bitterness with him. What would happen at the end? Let her not see it. So Jesus turned to John, who wrote the Gospel of John, with one last request from the disciple he loved. Look at John 19.26. Open your Bibles. And when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing near, he said to his mother, what does it say in your Bible? Woman, what? Behold your son. Then he said to the disciples, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. The Greek indicates that Jesus saw his mother decisively and dramatically. It's an aorist in the Greek language, not an ongoing stare at her, not a glance, but a sudden, decisive, dramatic look into her eyes, a decisive turn of the face. That's another way of saying he did not ignore her, but he saw her deliberately. Christ really did see Mary at the cross, but he didn't see her all alone. John was standing there with her at his side. And right there at the cross, an adoption occurred, a legal transaction. The judge of all of the earth made something official. Jesus said to his mother, woman, behold your son. And he said to John, behold your mother. She is your mother too, and take care of her for me the rest of your life. And that John did. You know, you got a mama in your life, do you not? You better hang on to her and love her for the rest of your life. Because God has placed her as a treasure in your heart and life. And so she would live on with another son given by her greatest son. When John went to Ephesus to minister for the gospel of God, Mary went with him. We know this from early church records. And she died there and was buried by John. The scripture that John himself wrote says that from that hour, John took her to his home. To be his mother. He must have lived nearby. I don't know where that house was, but he took her home. The Desire of Ages, page 752. I'd like to share with you an excerpt from my favorite inspirational writer. As the eyes of Jesus wandered over the multitude about him, one figure arrested his attention. At the foot of the cross stood his mother, supported by the disciple John. O pitiful, loving Savior, amid all his physical pain and mental anguish, He had a thoughtful care for his mother. He had no money with which to provide for her comfort. But he was enshrined in the heart of John, and he gave his mother to him as a precious legacy. Thus he provided for her that which she most needed, the tender sympathy of one who loved her because she loved Jesus. And in receiving her as a sacred trust, John was receiving a great blessing. She was a constant reminder of his beloved master. The perfect example of Christ's filial love shines forth with undimmed luster from the mists of ages. For nearly 30 years, Jesus, by his daily toil, had helped bear the burdens of the home. And now, even in his last agony, he remembers to provide for his sorrowing, widowed mother. The same spirit, this is the part I like, the same spirit will be seen in every disciple of our Lord. Those who follow Christ will feel that it is a part of their religion to respect and provide for their parents. From the heart where his love is cherished, father and mother will never fail of receiving thoughtful care and tender sympathy. I like that. You like that? You know, we have mothers in Zion here who have no biological children. The church should never forget that. We owe a lot to them, too. The fifth commandment says honor your father and your mother, right? We should honor our mothers today. And this Jesus did all his life, every day. But he did it deliberately at the cross. You know, there's a little bit of Mary in every mother who loves Jesus. And as a Christian son or daughter, you should never forget that your mother is special too. Special to you. And let's take a little further. Very special to Jesus. Mary's name means bitterness. And the cross was the final bitterness of her life. Her soul would never be the same, was pierced by a sword. At the command of Jesus, John took her to his home and he became her son. At that hour, the hour that he took her away, the Bible says it was the Passover. There was darkness over the cross until the ninth hour. And there was one last thing they would do at Passover. You see, they would take the vinegar and put the bread and dip it in bitter herbs. You see, Mary's name means bitterness and it matches Passover and so as Mary is leaving in the bitterness of the loss that she has with John Jesus has one more thing to do John 19:28 after this Jesus that means after Mary was taken away with John after he took care of his mother who named him bitterness after she could not see it anymore then he finishes it knowing that all was now finished said to fulfill the scripture i thirst A bowl full of vinegar, vinegar is bitter, stood there. So they put a sponge full of vinegar on hyssop and held it to his mouth. And when Jesus had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. Jesus gave his mother to John. He said, she is your mother too. And then Jesus gave his spirit back to his father. When Mary left the cross that day, There was nothing left to give away. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Mary loved Jesus and she gave Him up. But she is not our Savior. She was only wounded with Him. A sword pierced her heart so the hearts of many can be revealed. She had given her Son to torture and death. And God saved the world through the gift of Christ. There was darkness over the cross until the ninth hour. On the cross, Jesus had drained the last dregs in the cup of human woe. And the darkest bitterness, he did not let his mother see. That's what he did for her. Friend, what is love? Love is giving and giving and giving and giving. How many of you are grateful for your mothers? Raise your hand here today. We have the perfect filial example in the love of Jesus for His mother. We love you, ladies. Thank you for being godly mothers in our midst. Love is giving and giving and giving, and the heart that loves God loves God until the end. You hang in there. You be godly examples in our midst like Mary in our time so we can see the love of God in you. In Christ, God gave us everything He could give, and His love is the wellspring and fountain of our joy. Reaching Your
2: Heart is a listener-funded program. We so appreciate your contributions. And for a donation of any amount, we have a very special offer for you today. At a time when many people have accepted the evolutionary hypothesis, Seeing is Believing is a book that reveals the remarkable design in nature, demonstrating a mastermind behind all of creation. Where there is design, there must be a designer. Where there is intelligent design, there must be an intelligent designer. Your faith will be strengthened as you read this book, Seeing is Believing. Call today for your copy. Your donation of any size helps us to stay on the air, and we appreciate your support. Here's the phone number, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Call now, 888-244-HOPE. If you would like to listen to this message again, it is available for you at reachingyourheart.com. Once again, reachingyourheart.com. There are many messages available along with this broadcast as well. Thanks for listening today. And as always, we want you to know that we do pray that God is reaching your heart.